Welcome to this week's Two Average Ordinary Guys. How's it going, Scott? It is going great. All right, we're here with uh, with Chris Berry. How, how are you doing, Chris? Oh, I guess fine. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, uh, tell us just a little bit about uh, about who you are. Well, I'm Irish born, grew up there, did mechanical engineering university. As soon as I had my degree, I hit the ground running and went to England because I thought, yeah, Ireland's under the shadow of England. All the good stuff comes from England, it seems. But after two years there, I found that wasn't true. So I went on to Europe and found that wasn't necessarily true. So I went to the old world and then ended up in India and Africa and found they were looking a lot to the new world. So I ended up in Canada and found in Canada after 20 years that it really, a lot of stuff was coming from the United States. So I ended up the last 25 years in Toledo, Ohio. And uh, that's not the center of everything either. So I'm still looking. <laughs> yeah, we're sorry that you ended up in Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> you I'm, I'm glad. I'm delighted. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's the glass capital of the world, and that, that's, what, uh, that's what you did, right? That's right. Glass, I used to have to travel on my own ticket, and then I started doing technical consulting for glass and customer relations, and that paid me to travel all around the world. So it's much better if somebody else is paying the airfare. <laughs> it always is. Uh, we always get started off here by uh, by playing a game where we're gonna we're gonna play Misery Index this week. Yeah. And uh, Scott Scott can tell us a little bit more about the about the game. Yeah. So uh, the people over at uh, Parker Brothers they decided to put together this game and they scoured the globe and searched for the world's most miserable stories. Then, then they asked a panel of respected psychologists to rate those stories based on three pillars of misery, those being physical pain, emotional trauma, and the long-term psychological impact that would have on you. Then they put a number on these, each one of these uh, incidents, if mm-hmm. you will, from 1 to 100. And so what I've done is I've, I've drawn four cards for you guys to play head-to-head, and I want you to try to guess what the misery index is on each one of these cards. And just to be uh, just to be clear, sure, one hundred is uh, the worst. You're dead. Yeah, basically you're dead. Yeah. And zero or one, we got a hangnail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. okay. Okay. I put that at three. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I would agree. I would too. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't think fast enough. Though. But here we go. Here's the very first one. I'm gonna give to you here. This one is uh, you are gored by a bull. You know, so you go on vacation, you, you maybe you decide to do the running of the bulls or something like that, and you get gored by one. So where would you place that, uh, Chris? Where would you place that on the misery index from well, one that, to one hundred? That, that's a true story. I, I still have the scar. <laughs> I had a feeling I, it would be. <laughs> really? I, so I, was working, I was working in Spain, and the scar is a quarter of an inch long. And when I went into work the next morning, I, I was a hero. So uh, <laughs> I say that, that that's only one on the miserable on the misery scale. It, it was scary at the time, so it does three to one. But, uh, yeah, I, I would I would go off. What? How did you feel at the time? That that's what I would go off of. Yeah. Well, maybe ten. Okay. All right. I, I a tough guy. I, I was I was making my escape, and I put my hand on the back of a, an old cart on a wooden rail on the top of the cart to pull myself up onto it and I heard a crack and the, the rail broke and I fell to the ground so I was able to crawl under the cart before the bull could get at me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would have to say you're much tougher than I. I, I, I was going to go like, uh, I was going to go at least like 70 on this one. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, you guys would be uh, surprised to know that uh, Parker Brothers places this at a 
0.5. Holy cow. This is a very... Uh, Apparently, they've never been to Spain, right? Very, right, Chris? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's worth it. I mean, everybody should do it once. What well, you mean go to Spain, not get gored by a, by a bull, right? What you do when you're there is up to you. That's your own business. What happens in Spain stays in Spain. right? Okay, here's the next one here. This one might be worse. I don't know. You get exposed to Ebola. Ooh. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. Guys, that's a tough one. I, I, I guess I don't know enough about Ebola to know who, who it affects the most. It's no good. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, it's no good. It's, it's, it's a much higher, much higher mortality rate right. than, than COVID. Right. And then even maybe even the goring. Right. Much higher, you know. Yeah. Yep. So where would you place yeah. this one, Chris? What were you thinking about uh, this? I would uh, 95. 95? Yeah. 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 It goes right up to the top. Yeah. What about you, Johnny? Yeah, I would say probably let's go... Uh, what did I what did I say for the bull? You said uh 70. 70. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go like let's go 89. 89. So you go you go one under. Well, this point goes to Chris because they put this at a 99. Oh wow. Almost yeah. to the top of the Yeah. Yeah, that's it pops. Is it's a, it, I mean, that's terrifying. Let's uh, let's We got a tie game right now, gents. Good tie a game. Tie game. All right. I'm looking forward in. to this one. So listen to this one. You're on a 6-hour flight. But you're seated behind a crying baby the whole while. Mm. Crying baby. This, this has happened before. On a six-hour flight. Yeah. It's not as exciting as getting gored. No, it's not nearly as exciting. Um, uh, Chris, where would you put this on? A crying baby. You got to fly with a crying baby in front of you. Uh, misery. You, you got to live with those things. That, that, that's the least of your problems. Uh, yeah. You can't live with that. You shouldn't be flying. I, <laughs> I, give, that a, I give that a nine. Nine? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I would probably go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight on this one because I have noise canceling headphones. <laughs> you guys are both yeah. pretty pretty good, but this point goes to Chris. Ah. This is a 19. They put this at a 19. It's six hours, guys. Yeah, six hours. Six hours. Know. Noise canceling. They they last for like 24 hours. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I can see you guys are <laughs> you guys are nice guys. But then this brings us to this one. Last one. Our final question. You are taken hostage during a bank robbery. Ooh. Chris, hasn't this happened to you before? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, well, so you're taken hostage during a bank robbery. It's not the it's not the greatest thing. Where, no. where would you put this at, uh, Chris? Well, yeah, dead hostage is no good. So yeah. they they really don't want to shoot you. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's nowhere near as bad as Ebola. It's uh, I I'd say you you're probably more likely to be shot by somebody coming in with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Than the bank robbers. I'd, I'd be afraid of who comes in. Um, I'd, I'd put it as 60. 60? Okay. 60. Okay. Yeah. Um, 60. Six, six I'm going to go just from a near like psychological trauma that this could create. Cause I, I I'm with you, Chris. I don't think that I, thinking through it in a very calm nature, I think that now not being in the situation, I would probably come through closer to where you are, but the psychological, having to deal with the psychological trauma afterwards, I, I'm going to go 83. Well, this point goes to Jonathan. It was a 90 on the Misery Index, yeah. a 90. Wow. All so, right. You guys, uh, it's a it's a tie, tie game. It's a tie. Yeah. So we go for a tiebreaker? Yeah, sure. You want to you grab a tiebreaker card? Sure, I would love to. All right. Okay, here's the tiebreaker card. You guys got to think long and hard about this one. You go to get a tattoo, and they, and they make a mistake. <laughs> so it's now you got a permanent mistake on your body. What, what do you think about this, Chris? Mm. Well, 
Yeah, I really have to think what Parker Brothers are going to rate it. I, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Because I'm, I'm playing to win here. I'm not playing my uh, the other ones. I was playing my feelings. Right. I re- I realize that's my big mistake. I was uh, so I think I think uh, Parker Brother people would would be pretty upset with with that. I'd, I'd say a permanent mistake would be. In terms of physical, emotional, long term, nothing physical, but the emotional, long term, I'd, I'd put it seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah. Seventy five. Okay. Yeah. So um, where would you put this? I mean, imagine you go to yeah. get Amy tattooed. You've talked about this a lot. You're going to get <laughs> yeah, this tattoo, totally, yeah. and yeah. and they put the eye on there. Yeah. Here, here, here's the here's the thing. Just uh, getting a tattoo would probably be like a ninety four <laughs> for me because I I hate tattoos to each their own. But uh, let's say. Um, and, and it's wrong. That means you got to get another one yeah. to cover it up, to change it. Yeah. I'm going to go 62. Well, John takes this one home. Uh-oh. It's a 57. 57. Now, where, oh. where would you have uh. went, uh, Chris, where would you have went, uh, like, your gut instinct on this one? Like, if it was you instead yeah, of Parker instead Brothers. Of, instead of you trying to guess oh, the yeah, 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 I don't do tattoos. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Yeah, <laughs> none of us have tattoos. The question doesn't arise. Yeah. I had to go through the Parker Brother lens, too. <laughs> now, mind you, I, I did share a job in the kitchens one time in a hotel with a fellow from the Sudan, and he had those tiger claw stripes on his cheek, three slashes, like three claws of, of the tiger on each cheek. Did you work with Mike Tyson? <laughs> he, no, his tattoo was great. Oh, that's that okay. On the side right that, that, that was the museum, the Maori one, wasn't it? Wow. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. That, that's for those guys, not for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. We're going to take a break, and uh, we'll come back in a couple minutes, and we'll talk to Chris about some uh, exciting adventures he's gotten himself into. We'll be right back. We're back. So uh, we're going to get into some interesting stories that, as you could tell by the first segment, there's some things that he's experienced that most people haven't. He's a very interesting guy. Yes. Uh, very well traveled, very well experienced. So, Chris, why don't you go ahead and tell us about the uh, JFK story? I always found that pretty interesting. Yeah, that, that's a fun story. I, I, my job is as customer service for glass, for window glass, took me down actually to the Smithsonian. We were asked to go down there and help because the original charters of independence, they the Declaration of Independence and the charters are locked up in sealed double glazed units made at Rossford by, in the old LOF plant to the thermopane double glazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in, in the 30s. And this was uh, 30 years ago. They, uh, these double glazed units were now old and worn out and they were looking very carefully at them and they found there was some degradation going on in the sealed units because they'd made a terrible mistake at the time. The, the parchments are uh, sheepskin parchments and they need a little moisture to keep them. You couldn't put them in the dry air of a, of a normal of a glazing unit. Mm-hmm. So they added a little moisture, for, which was correct for the parchment and the ink. But then the glass starts to corrode, a very fine fog corrosion. And they had to be cut apart and put into new units. So I went down as the LOF representative to just be there and more just a historical connection. 
mm-hmm. from what we'd done. And I actually took down the, the original guy who physically did the job himself. He was still alive. He did the soldering. Because those the glass end was soldered. There was a lead spacer around the edge, and, and the glass was copper tinged and then soldered to the lead spacer. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. So when I was down there, they, they saw that I knew a little bit about glass and broken glass, which was more my interest, really. And they said uh, at lunch one time, you know, we've got this piece of cracked glass we need to move. Could you help me move, help us move it? And I said, come on, just, just move it carefully. It's, it's no big deal. And they said, well, this is a very special piece of cracked glass. You know, we, we really can't have the cracks grow or have the thing fall apart while we're moving it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, look, look, just just hold it up vertically and don't stress it and let it get hot or cold and, and don't bump it. And they said, yes, but this glass is the Kennedy windshield. And I said, uh-oh, okay. <laughs> Change that lens. I, I, I could come and help. <laughs> and um, so I, I went back, and a few weeks later, I, I finagled a trip back to Washington to help them move the, the Kennedy windshield, which, which we did. And it was just an opening windshield with an interesting little conical crack impact from the bullet and cracks on, on the glass. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, if you're familiar, um, windshields are two pieces of glass laminated together, so they stay together. They don't fall apart it's when they're the, broken. the safety glass, right? Safety glass, yeah. yeah. And that was fine, and, and I looked at it carefully, and then I looked a little more carefully, and I said, this is very strange. And then without asking anybody, if you ask anybody down in Washington, they'll say no. So I just didn't ask. I just put my hand in, in my hip pocket and took out a wooden toothpick. And I touched the crack, the center of the cone of the crack in the Kennedy windshield. Mm-hmm. And this was the bullet that presumably gone through the poor man's head and then cracked the windshield. Mm-hmm. And to my astonishment of the two plies of glass, this crack was on the front outer ply of glass. The crack, the ply of glass, the second ply of glass facing the driver and the passenger mm-hmm. were undamaged. Wow, so it was the front, but not the back? But, but even I, at that point, as, as an Irishman, and I actually had my Irish passport in my pocket in case anybody asked for ID. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the, um, I, I knew that Oswald was supposed to have fired from the back. You know, what, what, what's going on? And mm-hmm. all the conspiracy theories, what, what about the, the second gunman? What about the grassy knoll? What yeah. about Ditwu, all the other stuff in front of the car? They, you know, a bullet from there would have hit first the outer ply, the front facing fire, which was the one I touched with my toothpick, the one right. that was cracked. And I just looked around and nobody said anything. That they weren't interested, so I just uh, carried on. We moved the glass, didn't break any further, and I just couldn't get over this. And flying back, I changed planes in, in Cincinnati that night, and it was a big snowstorm, and waiting for the last plane in to go out to Cincinnati to Toledo, who should come in on another flight but our LOF windshield expert, called <laughs> Rod Baker, delightful man. And he is so straight and sober. He's not excitable. He just does it properly. No nonsense. So I, so I said, well, I, I, tell me something. I, I, I'm disturbed here. I, I've seen something strange. I need help with it. I, I said, Rod, have you ever seen a cracked windshield? And he said, yes, I've seen 143 of them. And, you know, because <laughs> I was his business. Uh-huh. And most of these have been cracked by gravel impacts. 
And I said, Rod, have you ever seen one where a gravel impact was on one side and the ply on the other side was the one that broke? He said, nope. So I said, thank you, Rod. That's all I need. <laughs> now I'm, you're really getting suspicious. Right. So I knew that there was a, what was it, the Warren Commission report? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were yeah. you guys even born then? No, I, no. I w- was not then, but I, but I have heard of it. <laughs> the Warren Commission report was a, a famous report on the whole Kennedy assassination. So as soon as I got home, I rushed around to the library and said, can I see the Kennedy report, the Warren Commission report on the, the examination? And they said, well, all our Kennedy literature is over on the shelf there in the Perrysburg Way Library. And I went there, and there was every conspiracy theory book under the sun. <laughs> no Warren Commission. You know, it was too boring. Yeah, yeah, not the real document, but just everybody's yeah. take on it. Oh, dreadful stuff. <laughs> but if you read any of them, half the time the people who investigated further into it mysteriously disappeared or died or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, the- so now I'm getting quite, quite curious. <laughs> That, that's really interesting because I've heard, you know, us being how old we are and we kind of grew up during the um, Oliver Stone movie, JFK. I've never, ever heard of this piece of evidence to corroborate the uh, conspiracy theory of the grassy knoll gunman with a crack on the outside, on the outside, the front yeah, of the, the vehicle. I've yeah. never heard of this. It yeah. seems like a huge oversight. Oh, it's a beautiful piece of evidence. So I, I tracked down the, the report. I had to go 20 miles outside to some little country village library, and there was the report, and, and I got it and read it, and nothing, 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 except in the back. It's beautifully written things, so smooth, so sick. They do the back. Almost a third of the book is other theories, other ideas, other bits of information. And they said one of them was... Um, the gunman must have come from the wrong way because the, the windshield is cracked on the other side. Hmm. Hmm. I said, oh, well, at least they're, they're honest enough to say that. Yeah. But then the explanation was, oh, that's simple glass breaks in tension. And if you push glass on one side, the other side, it, it gets into compression on the side you're pushing it against. And as it bends, it goes into tension on the far side. That means on the passenger side, the glass will be in tension and that's where the cracks would start. Mm-hmm. Well, that that is correct for a single piece of glass, but this isn't a single piece of glass. It's this a is a laminated glass. Yeah, they didn't mention that, so I thought, no, this this is getting really bad. This this is just smooth PR stuff. You know, just so friendly. Yes, we, oh yes, we we we've looked at that. You know, that's no problem. Yeah. So, but, so but Chris, I, you you became a believer then in the in the in that theory of a of a second gunman then by by looking at this, yes. Well, not really. I knew there was something up. Yeah. Okay. I I I I, I believe there was a problem. I, I'm not not ready to go to the second gunman yet, but uh, I phoned a lawyer friend of mine in Toronto, and he said, "Just write everything down. Don't be scared. Just carry on what you're doing. Write everything down." And uh, then I went to LOF, and I said uh, one day, "You know, if you have any spare windshields," and I, they said, "Sure, we got lots of spare ones with cracks and scratches and things." So I took one home, and then I went to Anderson's and bought a beautiful high-powered slingshot. Anderson's was a great place. Mm-hmm. And I bought lead fishing weights. I said, have you got any uh, DB, any, any lead shot 
for muscle loading guns, and they didn't. But lead, I had also the lead fishing weights of different sizes to simulate the, the broken bullet because the bullets supposedly broke apart in, yeah, in this skull. So I got a number of those and took it home to the basement and set it up so I could uh, fire it and, and reproduce the effect. And then that weekend, I had a very, very good physicist friend of mine from Rochester coming to stay for the weekend. And he said, Don, come down with me and watch this. I need a witness on this one. And he hid behind one of the columns in the basement, and I set up a slingshot and aimed with just the right piece of lead shot, and it went boom, and nothing happened. And so we left a little lead mark on the glass, and so I pulled up again and firing at the windshield. I got a slightly bigger one, and I pulled the elastic back more, and bang, it broke both of them. Hmm. And so I backed off a little and got an intermediate weight of lead, and intermediate pullback and bang and it hit the glass put a little lead smear on the glass and the other side cracked mm. the passenger side cracked as had happened in the real thing wow and so I said no conspiracy we're all safe we can sleep in our beds <laughs> it can happen it just has to be the right oh so you, side, so you did lead at the right velocity and yeah, you can break the far side. Yeah, so you're able to replicate what it, what it actually happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah, that's fascinating. A- end of story. <laughs> did did you uh, did you contact contact the Smithsonian to let them know what you would found or? No, they 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 weren't interested. I, I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't alert uh, them at the time. No. Okay. Okay. But I I've told the story a few times since. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And then on the other side of this, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some of the things you're currently uh, working on and some of the things you're currently interested in. So we'll come back in a minute. All right, and we're back. Great story last segment. Uh, very interesting and intriguing, and uh, I, I found it fascinating the first time, and this time was... There was no conspiracy yeah. th- that we that uh, that Chris found. Yeah, so for this segment, I wanted to kind of move into more of the things that, uh, Chris, that you're uh, currently passionate about, and uh, maybe the best place to start here is to uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, bees you're keeping. Okay, well, the bees were a present from my wife, who always surprises me with the most amazing birthday presents. And uh, we thought we needed bees. I thought to, we had a, a garden that was a chemical-free, pesticide-free garden, and I thought adding bees would help uh, pollinate the flowers and the raspberry bushes. And then when I got well into it, I realized that, uh, that the bees are... It's a hit called Malian. It's a pejorative, but uh, that's called them introduced. That they're not native to here. There, there are no native honeybees in in North America. Mm-hmm. So I worked with Italian and Russian bees for a while, and uh, now I've got a lovely set of bees in the back, and another set that split off from there, ran away, and ended up in a hole in the catalpa tree right outside the front door, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, the neighbors and the bushman doesn't complain about that. <laughs> but the uh, the bees were a really nice introduction to looking more closely at the garden and looking at what's happening there and 
you know, I, I've traveled far and traveled long and, and done some lovely astronomy courses at the university, but it's time to, to look small, look look in, look down. And the garden, if you look after it, is, is a great place to look, especially these days when we're stuck here anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's an extraordinary little program for my phone. That I think it's free of charge, a program called SEEK, S-E-E-K, by California Institute of something or other. Institute of Science, and it'll, it's got a photo ID uh, image, your recognition um, of plants, bugs, fishes, birds, anything, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you what they are right down to the species if you get a good enough image. Mm-hmm. And in the two years that I've been running that in our little acre of garden, which is, we manage it as well as we can, putting Ohio species in and taking out anything that's not native to this area or introduced uh, in in that uh, two years with that computer program in my phone, I've identified 451 different species of plant, bug, bird, and plant. Funny, we can't identify the worms. I, can't, <laughs> I know I've got two different types of worms, and you can't tell one from the other. <laughs> but it's brilliant, the tiny little flies and quite the big birds, and even the grasses are very good at it. But it's... Um, Gosh, there's a lot of stuff there if you stop and look. Yeah, I, I remember even you you uh, when you when you took down some of the non-native trees that uh, you you did so with uh, with ropes and and and, yeah. and hand saws <laughs> instead of using like any sort of gas. You you were like, I'm going to do this like it's you know 1920. Well, then I want to do it slowly, and uh, that, was, that was a good adventure. The tree of heaven, the Ilanthus Chinese yeah. tree of heaven, is really not the tree you need in your garden at all. Those, those came down. Well, I used my sailing knowledge on rigging to cut them and lower them down a piece at a time. Yeah, it was that was a rather, I mean, a rather large tree. There were three of them. So, so how is this um, this app and, and, and understanding all of the different trees and insects and that sort of thing, how is that translated into uh, what you see as a problem now uh, in, in this region? Oh, we, we have this incredible worldwide problem that the bird, the number of birds, the bird population is, is fallen by, I think, about thirty percent in the last fifty years. Okay. Okay. The, the, this is the era of extinction, the man-made extinction. There's so many species are being driven extinct. The insects it used to be you you bought bug shield uh, deflectors for the hood of your car when uh-huh. you drove along the country road at night. You didn't want all the bugs on, on the windshield. That doesn't happen now. Yeah. That there's not there. We have lost incredible numbers. These tiny little bugs, we don't even know the ones we've lost. Yeah. Uh, except they are right a part of the whole ecosystem. The little yeah. ones feed the big ones, and the big ones feed the next one, the next one feeds a caterpillar, and the caterpillar feeds a bird, and, and on yeah. and on. And you can't just cut out pieces of, of the web, the net, and, mm-hmm. and throw it away and expect things to go on. We end up with, with a river that we can't drink, that goes into the lake, whose water we can't drink anymore. We're doing it to ourselves. Yeah, but how how can we sell insecticide? I know, okay, maybe you don't like mosquitoes. Okay, do something about the mosquitoes, but don't spray the both sides of the street at night with poison for every single living bug out there. Yeah, yeah, and that's not where the mosquitoes are anyway. They're they're down in the drain in in water, little ponds of water, pockets of water. They're not in showers at night. And you also and have. We, Multiple into this routine. And you also have multiple Kill. types of mosquitoes, right? Like you have uh, mosquitoes that like small little 
puddles that are kind of considered the bad, like virus carrying mosquitoes. And then you have the mosquitoes that are just normal mosquitoes that are not. Well, we have, we have bats instead. And we eat just about every evening we eat our evening meal out until it gets dark on the balcony up above and the bats come by and, uh, mm-hmm. and no mosquito at all. Yeah. And it's, and it's a, a natural way to control that. Yeah. But we need bats. Yes. You know, don't, don't take the bat food away. And don't kill the bats when they get in your house. Let them go. <laughs> That's right. right. If you're able to shoot them at the door. Right. Right. So what are some things that you would suggest that we do as a community to help kind of curb this sort of thing? Well, we need food. So the, the farm is, we're, we're stuck with large farms growing strange you know, bioengineered, genetically engineered crops where we've, we've got to do that. But boy, in our houses, do we need giant lawns? And yeah. you'd be better off putting concrete in. But the lawn that we put on, my neighbor has a lawn and he's got chem lawn, we used to call chem lawn, now it's called green lawn. They come and spray mm-hmm. all the phosphorus on it, which runs down into the river, which feeds the algae, which feeds the bloom, which means you have to drink beer instead of water. Well, maybe that's not so bad. <laughs> you Grass, the grass lawn is, cut that in half. Put in, put in real plants here. Put in natives. Mm-hmm. You put in Ohio natives. And the, the Ohio plants are extraordinary. They start in the spring with a spring ephemerals, little trilliums and gorgeous little things. And they go on all the way through to the asters in the fall. You've got the hummingbirds are coming and feeding on the, the uh, bee balm and, and the uh, tiger lily. Mm-hmm. You, you can enjoy it all. We we don't we uh, like my family. We don't use any chemicals on our lawn. We just let the rain kind of do it, and then um, that that sort of thing. And we have so many birds in our yard. Um, I I don't know. Uh, th- this year alone, we had uh, blue jay nests. We had cardinal nests. We had Good. robin nests. Um, hummingbird nest. And uh, another another type of bird that I have no idea, but we had like seven or eight nests going simultaneously to where I was actually trimming my bushes that I was having to watch out for all the different birds that were really? going on. Yeah. It, it, it's looking out our back window every year is, uh, and, and this is fascinating talking to you about this, Chris, because my wife and I have, it, there were, there was no like knowledge of, Hey, we're not going to do this because it's just how we've done it. Yeah. And so now I, you know, we're like, why, why do all the really cool birds pick our yard you yeah. know, out of all the other yards that are in our neighborhood? Plus you have kids and you don't want that your kids knocking around in the backyard with all yeah. this chemicals or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah can you imagine kids rolling around in the grass that's been sprayed with those things? Yeah. Right. Yeah, cause, I mean, they have, even have the signs like out in the yard, right? Like, yeah, this has just been sprayed. Don't yeah. do anything for. <laughs> don't enjoy beware, your grass for the next twenty four hours, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's 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 really good because a lot of times, yeah, I think that uh, some of the fixes or fixes that um, are, are just not. Uh, I don't want to say acceptable. They're, they're quick fixes. Yeah, they're they're quick fixes, or they're fixes that are completely like philosophical that no one's ever going to actually do. But yeah. this is, I mean, this is a. I, I like this. This is a fix that's actually, uh, I think people can can live with and and accept, and it actually saves them money. Yeah, too, sure. Right. Yes, and it, it improves the water. It stops the water running off down into the river. It holds the water. It feeds the trees. It, oak trees are very good. Yeah. Oak trees are the best. They grow a huge variety of different caterpillars. You see the birds, plural caterpillars. Yeah. But um, a bird, a bird on the nest these days feeding its young is going to bring in a 
couple of hundred caterpillars every day yeah. to feed those young ones. Wow. So if you see a leaf on a tree that's got a few holes in it, say, great, means you've got a caterpillar. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I challenge you to find the caterpillar, though, because the bird probably got there first. I, I did have a garden for a couple of years, and uh, all the animals ended up eating all my stuff. So <laughs> it's, having a garden is a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work and yeah. a lot of work to try to keep them out and... Then it just, it became a lot of burden, but I do have, uh, I still have the apple tree and every one of my good apples is gone before I ever get one that gets to the right size. <laughs> Too bad. But yeah, I do have a grocery, yeah. so I can use that. <laughs> good. So awesome. And you've got good birds to watch. I do. I do. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us this week, Chris. And, uh, we, I, we'd love to have you on again sometime if you'd, uh, if you'd enjoy coming back at all. Oh, uh, you have to wait another 80 years for me to do something else interesting. Oh, I have a whole list here of things that we didn't even begin to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we got the list. So. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, good, to, good to talk to Jonathan Scott. Good to meet you. Yep. Good to meet you, too. Yeah, once uh, once we get through this uh, this pandemic, hopefully uh, you and Scott can meet face-to-face. That'd be great. Yeah, maybe we can play triples. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank All you right. so much, Chris. Thanks. You're welcome. Bye. And uh, and we're back. So uh, yeah, it was awesome having Chris on the show uh, this week. Uh, Educational. He seems like a sweet guy. Very he, smart. He's one of the best guys I've 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 met. Uh, it's tremendous, <laughs> yeah. tremendous guy. <laughs> but uh, in, in in all seriousness, he is genuinely one of the uh, best individuals I've ever met in my life. Yeah, he's, he, he, he knows a lot, sweet. and he really does truly care about everything. Yeah, he really so, does. So yeah, so. Um, Excited to have him have him on this time. Hoping to have him back because, like I said, there's a there's we just scratched the surface tonight of the things this guy's done. So um, it is a ridiculous list. (laughs) It really is. Right. I thought you were just joking with me when you sent the list. (laughs) You're like this guy's done. Yeah. I'm like yeah right. Yeah. You're like you just play tennis with this guy. There's no way he's done this stuff right. So. But uh, but anyways, uh, we you know we're, we're happy to have him on, and and we actually have quite a bit coming coming up. Yeah. Um, we have John Ashley of uh, Rare Buzzer who makes hand makes effects pedals down in Columbus. That's that. gonna be a fun one. I have another list of people that are upcoming that I can't release yet because they're not 100 percent scheduled. But uh, it's it's getting it's getting crazy. It's getting good. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening, and uh, we're continuing to grow. Make sure that when you do go to uh, whether you listen on Apple or Google or Spotify, make sure you do like us. And if you could leave a review, that'd be great. Follow us on Facebook on uh, Facebook. We're at two average ordinary guys on Facebook. Also on Instagram two average ordinary guys. I hate to do this marketing crap, but it does help us out. John. So, and then uh, if you have any questions, please write us. Yeah. We're two average ordinary guys at gmail.com. We'd love to be able to share your questions or comments on the show. So, All right. That's it for this week. Gotta Gotta go go. now. Bye. Bye.